0: Welcome to Kashrus On The Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine tonight's show I think is going to be very interesting especially the first part <laughs> hopefully every the whole thing will be interesting. The topic that we're going to take up is a certain initiative that I started and I'm going to share it with you. It's behind the scenes. I don't be planned to write about it in the magazine because it's I promised the, the people that we would keep it a little bit uh, hush hush so on the show here I'm going to give you an overview but some of the details you're going to get I can't write them in the magazine and some of the details I can't share with you because it is of that secret nature. But we're going to discuss it in just a moment. It's a very interesting topic. I think you'll get a lot out of it on every level. But before we start with the main part of the program, I want to mention a few little things that are on my desk here. Um, One, I'm going to just mention, if anybody uh, has someone who isn't married in the family yet, who we would like to get married, Uh, especially if it's a man, I suggest that you go to Taurus Avigdor, that's T-O-R-A-S-A-V-I-G-D-O-R, dot org, where they print every day a little piece from uh, Vigda Miller. And uh, this, today's, is a really strong one. But because of the strength of it, I decided we're not going to read it to you on the air you're gonna have to get it yourself <laughs> so you can go to torresavigdor t-o-r-a-s-a-v-i-g-d-o-r dot o-r-g or, or info or it's in an email at info at torresavigdor.org and order um, the Vigdor. it costs nothing it comes every day and say I gotta have the one uh, from today uh, and to say you could say uh, Victor Miller, I'm making Parnossa, but it's really not the point. The Parnosa is not the point that I'm stressing. It's about the people who haven't gotten married yet. I just don't want to say in the air because maybe it'll upset somebody. So I decided I won't tell you what the secrets are in here. But it's worth reading. Now I got this. I got it's uh, somebody put it up on um, one of the main uh, uh, from uh, websites. And it was somebody emailed it to me. I can't back it up. It's a a true. A, it's a chuva a, a signed by Reb Moshe Feinstein, and I believe it really is from Reb Moshe Feinstein. And uh, I, it's hard to read the words because his his writing was you know a little on the harder side, and uh, the the print didn't come out that great from the the way it was. It's captured on the, on the on the internet, so I, I I can't say that I could read the whole thing to you, but it basically the bottom line is that in this tshuva on Marcheshvan of Tufshin, something or other I can't tell you exactly which year it was. Uh, the, the tshuva definitely says that if you're in a place where you can get Chalb Israel, you should get it, and that's uh, it was clear as a bell. Even though maybe people. Don't, I mean, I, th- I see that in all his chubas that he wrote that are printed in Inigris Moshe, but still in all, people always argue with me about that and say, he didn't mean this, he didn't mean that. But this letter is pretty strong. I, I, I can go through most of it and definitely clear. Uh, I can't help you more if you want to get a copy of it. I suppose I can get it to you, but it's not, uh, it's not, not too hard to get a hold of. Now, the other thing that I have here sitting on my desk came the other day, and I think I you know some things you just love, so I'm going to indulge, even though it's not my show today, but I'm going to indulge and I'm going to re- and I'm going to share with you some these snippets of these uh, this thing here. It's questions and answers of Rav Yitzhak Zilberstein. Now, I there are books all there are a lot of books in English and in Hebrew from Rav Zilberstein, there's Israel. He's an outstanding Tamil Chochem and a personality. And the questions and answers that he has are very entertaining, very interesting. And uh, the sources, the users, fantastic. But I want to share with you a couple that I just got this email to me of new stories and truths that he, that, he, that he had. And I, I, want, I want to share a couple with you that tie into Kashrus and then I'll sneak in a couple that don't tie into Just <laughs> Excuse me. This is a scary one, uh, and, and it's a lot of insight, and, and a lot of people can relate to what I'm going to say now. But the, take it with a grain of salt. You have your own Rav. Ask your own Rav. You don't have to listen to what I'm telling you now. But this is a, a question and answer with Rav Sak Silberstein. Now, um, it, he, he is the uh, Brother in law of Chaim Kanievsky. and uh, obviously uh, the Rav of Ramat Elchanan neighborhood of Bene Brak and Mayenei Yeshua Hospital. So, Rav Zil-Bishtin has a lot of interesting connections, and and <laughs> including Rav Chaim ear, and he's he's also a member of the Metzis Gedaya Torah. So, Rav Zil-Bishtin is a personality, and it's his his questions are interesting. So, here's the first one. This is a, a child that came from uh, outside of Israel. It's called where Chutzlar right? And it made its way to the Kolil in Chalon. My daughter, this is, a, uh, I'm, this is a quote now. My daughter flew from Eretz Israel to America with a stopover in Russia. By the way, I've written about this stuff in the magazine. It's, uh, it's scary. I, I've written about it a couple of times. We discussed on the air a couple of times. Listen to this story. My daughter flew from Israel to America with a stopover in Russia. Of course, she she removed the wrapping and began eating. In the middle of her meal, she realized that another observant woman who was sitting beside her was eating a meal with a different packaging. When she noticed that a few other religious Jews had meals in the same package as the other woman, she stopped eating immediately and examined her tray. <clears throat> she was horrified to discover that she'd been inadvertently given a tray meal. She was very disturbed about the fact that she had eaten non because of the prohibition involved and because of the of halev that it creates. She would like to know, and that's why they're, right, they're contacting the Rav, what to do in order to rectify her actions, in order to prevent Timtum Tum Halev. So Rabbi Zilbishnin is tasking for her what kind of a tshuva she should do for this sin, a terrible sin, but obviously not intentional at all. And here's what he said. And that's why, this is one you won't forget. Zilberstein replied, "She should engage in tshuva, and she should learn the procedure of a korban chatas, that's a korban for a sin offering, or hire someone to learn it for her. She should also donate the value of a korban to talmidei chachamim who are learning the laws of korbanas. That's in the hundreds or thousands of dollars. You understand? We're not talking about fifty cents." You know, a little tikkun, You know, for sure, make kiddish in the little, morning. A little tequin in the morning with some schnapps and cake. No, 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 a Corbin. What's the cheapest behem you can get? Okay. So, and then number three, she should learn five minutes of Musa every day. And number four, fast for half a day. Okay, you got it? We'll do it once more. She should learn the procedure for bringing a korban chatas or hire someone to learn it for her. She should donate the value of a korban to Talmidah of Chacham who are learning the laws of korbanas. There's there's, there's plenty of places to learn korbanas. She should learn five minutes of musa every day. It doesn't say for two weeks, you know. Every day. Five minutes. Okay, five minutes. Every, every day. And she should fast for half a day. That makes one stop and think about when we do things inadvertently. And this parsha, by the way, I'm not going to go into it now. It's the scary story about the fellow who killed Bishogeg and the guy who killed Bameset. The guy who killed bishoge didn't have Adam, and he didn't go to Golos And the and the one who killed Bameset didn't get killed because he he was no Adam. And then Hashem manipulates that they go to a, an inn and uh, the one that killed Bishogeg accidentally kills this man who would kill Bemezid and he gets eliminated obviously and the other one, there were witnesses this time and he goes to Gullis so, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a, little, a little bit scary that, uh, you know, these things happen okay, it wasn't her fault but it did happen you know, there is responsibility on a certain level was interesting question. It says over there, that uh, wood in, in the in the forest, and uh, no, it's not. It's an accident. He didn't know anyone was there, but he's chopping wood with a hatchet. So when you are carrying a hatchet, even though you're a shogei, it was accidental but you have a weapon in your hand, you have a dangerous object in your hand. And people have to realize, oh, listen, it's not my fault. They served it to me. You know, it was a total accident. It wasn't something that I could have protected myself against. Well, there is a simple way to protect. You look, uh, in a case where they have the wrong labeling, or oh, that's something else. We had this story like that, um, happened to a good friend of mine coming from back from America to Israel. And he got caught like that, where they had an they had a, a, a ou on it and something else on it, whatever it is. A good a good good uh, source for it. It was I think it was Borenstein, and uh, and yet it was Trafe, because underneath of that label was another label, and and, and it was it was it was something that he couldn't have protected himself against. Okay, that's a different level but a person serves you a meal on a plane, first thing you do is make sure it's kosher. It's funny, a tray for there. It's not a kosher hotel. This is is a tray for airline. Okay. So that's a a fantastic story. I'll go on to another one. Stories are... The next story was center of Zilberstein, concludes with a fascinating Shaila. Is it necessary to bench Goimel? When there's an apparent misfortune turns into a life-saving miracle. This is the quote, I travel frequently for business purposes. The questioner wrote one day when I was in the airport on the way to finalizing a business deal, two men suddenly pounced on me without any advance warning. I quickly discovered they were policemen. Before I could say a word, they knocked me to the floor, handcuffed me, dragged me like a sack of potatoes to a waiting police car, and hauled me away to a detention center. They performed a painstaking search of my body and clothes without even uttering a word to me about the reason for my arrest. It was only after a day passed that I became aware of the serious charges I was facing. The end of the story we're going to go to. One week after his arrest, the questioner learned that the plane he was on had exploded in midair and all the passengers had been killed. His question was, should I say a Birch hasagoymel? to give thanks for the, for the arrest that had spared his life? Rav Zilberstein's answer was unequivocal. His life was saved. He must make a a Birchad Rabbi, Wow. But but he was in a He was in a jail. He (laughs) he was in jail. So he said there's no question about Birchad gomel. No, no, that's when he gets out. He is two, now in jail. He's yeah, to save his life. If, I don't know. Let's hope okay. he gets out of jail. Okay. okay. <laughs> good, good question. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm <laughs> we'll about to send that to them. <laughs> Another question. I'm not going to go into too much more. I got plenty. He's got. There's a whole okay, bunch okay. of these, so I'm not going to go into all of them. But the next one is a Kashmir's one. Is it permitted to invest? It's not, it's not. Well, if you call it a cautious one, it, 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 it ties into us, but it, it wasn't about cautious. Is it permitted to invest in an American company that produces and sells marijuana in places where the law permits even for non-medical purposes? You know, there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of uh, very religious people who are getting into the game. And he's asking, is it permitted to invest in an American company that produces and sells marijuana in places where the law permits, even for non-medical purposes? Okay, so far, I think most of them are only in medical. But I do know a couple of so-called kosher uh, ones that are not really medical out in California. And there will be more. Rav Zilberstein's answer was very insightful. The drug is forbidden, not because it's illegal, because it causes harm to people and brings destruction to the world. If Hazal teach that a person who gambles is disqualified to be a witness because he's not involved in making the world hab- habitable, habitable, it is certainly forbidden to be involved in something that brings destruction to the world and has devastating effects on people's health, these people also create danger for others. So now, those people who are doing the uh, marijuana, and there are a lot of companies that are starting up, and several of them are owned by very religious Jews. And they're they're making a fortune, or they're going to make a fortune, maybe they will anyway, and they're investing a lot into it too. And now the question comes up, is it okay for them because it's going to become acceptable to for non you know uh, for non medicinal purposes it's going to be acceptable in, in society in a very short period of time. Or actually, it is already in some places, and it will probably hit here in New York as well. And if so, if so, can a religious person be involved in it? According to Rabbi Zilberstein, no. And <laughs> it's amazing. At the same time they're permitting the uh, marijuana here in New York they're discussing all kinds of things about um, you know uh, uh, offering help for those who were addicted and who go from one drug to another so i don't I don't know how people can rationalize this whole thing, but anyway, I thought that was interesting. there's a whole bunch here uh including can you sell schlehy I don't want to discuss all those now today but there there it was a great it's a great piece that i got I don't even know where I got it but Somebody sent it to me, or I saw it. Uh, I came across it, and this is written January 16, 2019. So if you want to search it, on the, if you want to search it, I'll tell you the details, and you can find this whole thing. It's questions and answers with Rav Yitzhak Zilberstein by Zvi Yakovsen. and Zvi is spelled T-Z-V-I, and Jakobson is Y-A-A-K-O-V-S-O-N. January 16, 2019. Okay. An interesting piece, as I said, ties into Cassius, but it's not my main topic. Now I'm going to begin my main topic. And if we have extra time, I'll go back to some of those, maybe or something else I have in the papers here. Okay, so here's what happened. Uh, it, it started before, but yesterday in my sheer, and uh, we have a good... Uh, Somebody's been with me for maybe close to 30 years, coming to my shirim. And, and he, he asked a good question. I thought it was very good. Uh, he said that, I don't know what's all this talk about checking things. You know, with checking things. If you get a package that, that comes from a store, and, that's, uh, and, and, and there's a hashkocha on that store. Hashkocha on the fruit store, and fruit, fruit and nut store. The stores like this that sell candy nuts fruit right and you have a shkok on that store and they send out a platter for two bishvat fruit and nuts you shouldn't have to check anything if they put putting the ashgach on it must mean that they stand behind it so what are you going to get all excited about checking out additional email and this and that they took care of it i mean they put the name on it right so that was the question he asked. And, and I decided to do a little research and, and to spend some time on it. And I did. I spent more time than I should have, but I did spend a lot of time on it. It was very interesting. And I, I found out, first of all, that a number of the cash risk agencies have lists of uh, discussing about fruits and vegetables, dried fruits and, 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 and uh, nuts, whether they need, how you know, how they need the... Uh, in any an in, 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 in investigation they need to be checked to be uh, to, to make sure there's no insects there let's say for example apricots i mean you got apricots from pakistan from turkey you're going to find insects in there on a fairly regular basis uh, is it a real mehammat so i think so i think it could be in, in in turkish and then pakistan for sure so there's different countries and you know there's different information we have about it but it definitely seems like it's a serious situation with that and with some of the nuts and some of the other things and I of course we've read the lists here on the on the radio but the question is the cash agencies that certify the product are they doing something? What are they doing for us? Are they really doing something or are they just figuring it's not my responsibility? You have to decide yourself if you want to check it. And uh, they're not going to tell you, check everything. Check everything. So what, is, what does it all mean? And, and, and they are certifying it, right? And they put a plain symbol on there. They don't say anything about the Tzarich Bidika. It's an interesting question. What, where do they stand? So let me just tell you, first of all, that I remember like it was today, the first time I saw this. It blew my mind. I knew the Debrazinerov, not personally, but I went to his shirim. I invited him once to check an erev of ours. Oh, no, I'm sorry, to check a, a mechitza at a at a, a a swimming pool for us at a bungalow colony, and we brought him over just to check this mechitza at the swimming pool. But I think I may have brought him for an erev also, and and he, and he was very uh, easygoing person, and, and spent the time with us, and and uh, he answered all the questions and. And I went to his Shurman uh, for, for quite a while and I w- was w- very much impressed by the gentleman. And he was sort of uh, my guiding light when I first started Kachpris. Because before Kachpris magazine, the Debrezina Rove had a publication um, which, which he had, which was very, very strong publication. And uh, it, it wasn't too long. Maybe it was a year or two. How many years? I don't know how many years it was but he put out a publication, irregularly, and he was very strong about his feelings about Kashrus. Anyway, in, uh, on, on some products, I saw the following. Becheskes uh, bilti, whatever it is, uh naki mi toiloyim <laughs> I couldn't believe it, you know, this is free of insects, which means that it's not a rocket science. It's not something we can 100% guarantee. So the question is, where do the cashless agency stand about the products that they certify, the packages that you get, the things that you buy and they come out of that store, and they're delivered to you or, or you or you buy it in the store and you give it to the, as a gift to somebody. And, it, you know, it says this symbol on it that it's kosher. Did they take responsibility that you don't have to do anything for the nuts and for the dried fruits? Or do they figure that you're going to do something and they're not going to tell you what to do? Which is it? It doesn't mean too much to me because I might be nervous anyway. I might go ahead and check everything a tenth times. But But the question is, what's the communication with you? By putting the symbol on, does that mean uh, that, that 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 equates that they're certifying that there are no bugs on this product based upon something that they did or some investigation that they made and some assumptions that they're making? Or are they assuming that you might go ahead and do something else, they just don't want to get into it? So what was interesting when I first started working on this is that a number of the conscious agencies have these lists on their website and on their website some of them say they're recommending additional uh, checking so that's a little bit confusing now they're putting the plain hashkoch on they didn't do this and they didn't do the other thing you sometimes see on uh, some packaging saying they didn't write and they didn't write, uh, you know, that they, that Hashem is Baruch. They're saying this is their symbol, and it's good to go. Or were they not saying that? They're just saying, that's my symbol, but you're going to have to do your extra work on your own, if you want to. What kind of communication? So as I said, some of these agencies, and I have some of the information here. I don't think I want to read it to you, because it's, I, I don't want to uh, have anybody think negatively about anybody. But you could find it on websites of the major conscious organizations. You could find their position on insect infestation. And you could find that they're going to say, at least some of them, that you do need additional bedika, sampling bedika, or always to check it, or certain ones, or certain things. They, they They say stuff about it. But there's nothing on the packaging. So which message are they giving you? So my project was... To write a letter, an email, actually. I do emails. I get sent an email to the major cautious organizations. Now, I might broaden it, make it even more cautious organizations, but I just wanted to get a feel for what's going on. And I told them that I really wouldn't be discussing and writing what they said. So I've got to be very careful what I share with you because I don't want to write what they said in any direct way. But I want to give you, because I said I'm going to be is I'm going to base what I say about the topic based upon what they react. So, so far, this was only from yesterday, so I didn't get too many responses. Uh, Maybe they're responding right now, or maybe they won't respond because I have the show now. But I'm going to tell you that uh, I did get some response. But then there was another one. There was another one that, that I sent out. Which is really not direct uh, the same thing, but I think you you'll you'll definitely in, in, enjoy hearing it. I sent out another query to one conscious agency, and here's what I sent. I said I don't need details or specifics, but I want to know about, and I mentioned the name of a certain company that makes jam. Jam is jellies, but but jam is like preserves, you know that are made with raspberries and blackberries. In other words, this conscious agency, which in general tells you that you can't use blackberries and you can't use raspberries, but they certify a product made a jam with raspberries and blackberries, or two with different jams, but raspberries and blackberries, and the raspberries and blackberries are part of the fruit in there, so, you know, I mean, OK, right? So we want to know. Um, so I asked them, do you do something special and some special inspection uh, or preparation of the berries? Or do you view the plant's procedure of cleaning, cooking, crushing or whatever that they do as sufficient? And I told him how to respond to somebody who comes to my share. This is a different person who asked this question. <laughs> so uh, you can see that obviously they're they kicking me up. This was after this was after the shiur. So the rabbi answered me, and he said that uh, the kashras in this jam factory is based on. I'm just I'm quoting now, but I'm not going to give you the names. <laughs> is is based on the on-site processing of the fruit by the company based on a psak of our poisek. In other words, their poisek told them that they could rely on the company. So that means that they're using raspberries and blackberries without any additional mashkiach type work being done. They're relying totally on what the factory does on its own. And that's sufficient for them even though the information that they give us is that you can't use raspberries and you can't use blackberries. So I thought that was an interesting piece. You can put it wherever you want. And now let me go back to that topic that I'm starting to discuss, which is um, the agencies are telling us in their writing that we should uh, be careful and we should check and uh, do some spot checking and, and check every one of these and a whole bunch of things. And they're certifying. Now, what does that mean? Did their certification mean that we don't have to do anything? Or does their certification mean that the basics are taken care of, but they have to go further? So I received one response so far. And, I, and I'm going to give you a little bit, not that much. I can't give you the whole thing. A little bit of what they told me. And again, I can't give you enough to. Uh, I can't give you uh, enough to for you to understand who I'm t- talking about. Um, it's true that we've been saying uh, that as uh, an advice to people, what they call Eitzatovah, uh, some a uh, good advice to check even if they have a hersher. But we don't consider it to be a mir hamatsui, and that's why we don't feel there's a problem for our putting our certification on it. And then he adds the following, which I think is very, 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 very strong. They recently had a discussion and said they have a concern that maybe the products are more infested than they had thought. And they decided to check better than they've been checking before. Basically, before they only checked something in, in the manufacturing plant uh, to make sure that the in, make sure that the plant isn't infested. And they decided to check on a different level. I suppose to check the product, uh, sample product. They didn't tell me how he wants to check. So uh, we're not going to put on the product that it needs checking, because that would really be confusing. but And uh, if we have a problem, we'll pull the hushkoch on that particular product. So I think that uh, what, what the gentleman is telling me is, yes, this is a serious question. And, and they're caught. The cashless agencies are really caught. If they don't have something tangible, that there's infect, insect infestation in their product, they're going to go to a general guidelines. But they're saying that there is a level of Etsatova that they would advise people to go beyond what they're doing. And in fact, they're now going beyond what they usually did. So yeah, this is a real question. I think we opened up a very interesting question. And I don't know what I'll ever write about it in the magazine, but you 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 heard it from the very, very beginning, right here on J on on Kashus on the air. Yeah, that's that you definitely heard. Now, I'm going to share with you uh, some more information about insect infestation. Some, that, some you may have heard before. Some you never heard before. But before I do that, I'm going to give you two telephone numbers. So if you have a pen, please use it now. If you haven't got a pen, please get it. I'll wait a minute. <laughs> okay. There's a, 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 a there's a place you can call that's very helpful. I can't say that I, I I've studied it. I did call because somebody sent me the the telephone number and I I've, I've I've listened to it before. But I don't know if I'm going to say that I that everything on there is exactly what I would say. I have no idea. I believe it's uh it, it was set up very properly and very strict and it's very clear by the way. So let me tell you what it is. There's a telephone number you can call. It's called The Ladies Badigas toloyum. English hotline in other words it's in, all in English uh, but it's a ladies bedigus toloyum hotline and when you do is you should call this number 212-434-0444 again 212-434-0444 434-0444 434 is the number And when you get on there it it tells you what to do with the different prompts it's a it's a hassle because you have to know right in advance what you want and i'll tell you what you have to know you have to know which particular vegetable or fruit that you want and you got a choice of fruit or vegetable and then you have to choose they put you in like an alphabetical thing it will take you like uh, ten calls to get the, the discuss, to think of all, or get the answers for all the things that you're thinking about, but you're going to get very specific information about an individual, uh, an individual vegetable or fruit, and it's pretty good. I mean, I did listen to a little bit of it, so I'm telling you, uh, if you want to use that, I'm pretty sure you're okay. And I, I think it's a Hasidic group that put it up, but I, there's no, de- I didn't see details there, but it's worth calling them 212-434-0444. I also, the other thing I must say, because I don't know the details, I I don't know how often they update it, but I would assume there's a very serious ladies that they update it whenever they have new information. Uh, the other thing I want to tell you is about an organization called Karen Hamaisras. I've forgotten about them for a while, and they just sent me an email, and I had mentioned them years ago. There's a thing called Karen Hamaisras in Lakewood. So if you want to sc- scribble this number down, this would be a good place to go. Uh, they, they they arrange for you to have a puta chamura that you could use for when you're doing Hafrash's tumus, and meisves. They'll help you with the uh, the details of hafrushes tumas and meisves. So if you want to try that, it's a uh, it's a good deal and it's obviously a, a, a very hush and and l'shem shemaim organization. Seven three two nine zero one. Nine two four six. That's seven three two nine zero one nine two four six. And why did they send me an email? They sent me a picture of a company that makes hot peppers that are coming from Eretz Israel. Which name the brand is Arava. So you know, you go if you get a chance, you'll call them at seven three two nine zero one nine two four six to learn more about. Of Russia's Trumus, and, Mysis, and how how easier for you to, to do it on uh, make it'll make a, your life a little easier. If you get stuck with some things that are from Eretz Israel, or you want to buy from Eretz At least now you'll know what to do. So I'm going to go on now in the time we have remaining to discuss, at least a little bit, about the insect infestation that we have in our fruits and vegetables, etc. Not reading from uh, of how to check this and how to check that but how to understand what we're facing. So the first thing I have here is an article from the Huffington Post in Canada, dated 2012. But very interesting, a few lines over here be worth your uh, listening to. In the United States, the, the FDA is the body overseeing the protection of public health by assuring the safety and security of food consumed in America. However, due to what's described as, by organic gardening, that's no—that's a publication, lacks food safety loophole, the FDA permits a certain degree of insects, such as worms or aphids, so long as their presence doesn't compromise the aesthetic quality of the food. In other words, it shouldn't be too much. It shouldn't be that you're looking at a bunch of moving things instead of eating something that's mostly moving. It it should look basically what you're expecting to see there. The Canadian Food Inspections Agency has some rules about labels when it comes to bugs and food with which produce can be sold. For example, for cabbage, 10 aphids on a head can still equal a number one grading during inspection. In other words, the highest grade of lettuce can ha- a cabbage can have 10 aphids on the head and be considered grade 1 grade A but any presence of worms on an edible portion of the head bumps the crop down to a number 2 grading so the grading by the way in I don't know the whole world how it works but it's usually different nine different grades in many of these vegetables nine grades so the top grade can you can get even if it has 10 aphids on the head now in terms of halacha we say that one in ten is mir ha and requires bedikah and one in ten would be one aphid according to most people one aphid in ten heads and we're talking about ten aphids in one head is acceptable and it considered grade a i'd hate to find out what the ninth grade is and how many uh aphids are in that now if you want to see i'm going to read a little bit about the food the defect action levels which we've discussed many many years ago uh, but he he uh, this gentleman gives us a little bit of a taste I'm not sorry, I shouldn't have said taste. That was a bad choice of words. A little bit of an insight into what you might find in different things. He said, you can, ex- based on the FDA, on their listing, the food def- defect action levels, it says on the low end, you can expect about 30 whole aphids for 100 grams of Brussels sprouts and about 60 on, in frozen broccoli. He mentions you can expect to find no more than 50 of them in 100 grams of canned or frozen spinach or in a package of sauerkraut. And he discusses how to, how many white white mites you're going to find in frozen vegetables, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, canned mushrooms, according to um, someone who... Uh, you know, according to in canned mushrooms, you you can the FDA allows twenty maggots for every hundred grams of drained mushrooms. That's terrible, and uh, fruit flies. And I'm not going to go into all these things and tell you all this type of stuff. It just it just uh, blows the mind. But I do. Since I mentioned the FDA, I'm going to read a few um, selections that I made from the FDA defect action levels. Defect means insects. That's a nice way of saying it. They don't want to use the word insects because it's, it sounds not so appetizing. So they use the word defect. And it's more than a defect. And it's not a defect in the, in the, the fruit or a vegetable. It really is a, it's an outside thing, but they use that word defect. So these are things that they allow Um, But, of course, hopefully we never have this bad. But when you see the numbers they allow, it means how hard it is to clean it. I'm going to give you a number of numbers. They'll give you an inkling of which are the worst uh, fruits, vegetables, and uh, spices. Asparagus, 10% by count of spears or pieces are infested with six or more attached asparagus beetle eggs and or sacks in other words they expect ten percent to have six or more beetle eggs that you know one of those in ten and much more than ten pieces maybe the average person let's say eats five pieces and, uh, and and it could be you need a bigger amount than that but let's let's just use uh, the smallest, the, a normal amount, let's say five per person, that would be fifty. We would one insect in fifty would be meat hamotzi and require bidika Fifty percent, we call murksa toline which is like required by the Torah, the to check for it, would be fifty percent. Would be probably uh, one out of ten because five for each person. So you don't. You're not going on the spears. You're going on a serving, and that's the that's the most lenient of opinions that I know, is you go with servings and not uh, how you buy it, which would be much more like twenty or so. So that's a pretty scary thing, and and asparagus is very very tricky because they hide behind them. They're in the top and they're behind those triangles. Another um, interesting one. They mentioned cherries. Now, my experience with cherries, as I said, has been very good. But obviously, cherries that are canned or frozen, they're coming from other parts of the world. They're not the good, good stuff that you're paying $3.99 a pound or $1.99 or $6.99 a pound. They're not the top grade stuff that we get here. And even the top grade, you can have where they're running bad and there could be insects near, this, near the pit. But they say over here that cherries, fresh, canned, and frozen, they average four percent or more pieces are rejects due to insects other than maggots. So they're finding a lot of of insects in the cherries. I'm going to go on to a few more, just a couple, because uh, there's hundreds of uh, here. I noted a couple as we, we looked by. The dates. So some people are saying dates don't need anything. I didn't read it to you that way, but uh, some people put that on their list, that dates don't need anything. I'm reading to you what the action, the def- defect action levels of the FDA say. An average of 5% or more dates by count are rejects, that they have dead insects and some other things I can't even say on the radio that are in there and there. Okay, but some of it's just that they're bad. So that doesn't prove anything, 5% there. Okay. Um, whole dates, average of 5% or more dates by count are rejects. Again, with dead insects inside. The figs, average of 10% or more by count are insect infested and or moldy and a dirty fruit or pieces of fruit. So again, it's other things included, so we don't have exact numbers. Um I'm going to skip that one because I don't want I don't want to lose any of my readers, my listeners. I'm going to go to marjoram. Marjoram is a, it's like an herb, and uh, this is what I'm I'm, make, I'm not making up a word. Listen to what it says. In this mint, it's like a mint. Marjoram ground. You won't believe me, but this is what it says: average of one thousand. 175 or more insect fragments per 10 grams you know how much 10 grams is okay I mean I'll admit uh, this is they're very light but 10 grams isn't a pound right 10 grams is very small an average of one thousand one, an average of 1,175 or more insect fragments Okay, mushrooms Average of over twenty or more maggots of any size per hundred grams of drained mushrooms. Okay, just just a couple, because these are the bad ones. Is the all these spices? Oregano, average of one thousand two hundred and fifty or more insect fragments per ten grams. That's even better than the the marjoram. Uh, Peanut butter has Thirty or more insect fragments per hundred grams. By the way, that would probably be butthole. And these numbers like that. Um, this the pepper, average of four hundred and fifty for uh, for a hundred grams. And um, another one here. Yeah, popcorn. My one of my favorites. I'm not going to tell you what it says here. I'm skipping it. I'm afraid to read something's on the air. I't want to upset anybody uh, maybe having dinner. The raisins, they tell you ten or more whole or equivalent insects and and thirty five drosophila eggs per eight ounces. So eight ounces is not a box, it's less than a box. Oh, well, maybe eight ounces a box. I don't know. Some size boxes, you know, eight ounces maybe. And 10 or more whole or equivalent insects and 35 drosophila, drosophila eggs. Um, this, I don't know, I'm skipping sauerkraut and sage. And spinach, we mentioned uh, before a little bit. Thyme, 925. Uh, insect fragments per ten grams, not per ten grams. Uh, thyme, three hundred twenty-five insects. Okay, it's pretty scary. Now that's all like the worst of the worst. But the reason why it's important for us is to see how bad a particular one is in relationship to the others. That shows you how careful you'd have to be about it. Now, in the in the time we have remaining, which isn't a lot of time. I'd like to read a few quotes from articles that were written by the cashless agencies. And because I mentioned that I'm sending out information, I'm going to skip where I got it from. If you need to know, you can always contact me, but I'd like right now to skip the sources. Uh, and It's all fine. You can look at the major Kashwas organizations. That's where I got it from. Okay. This is one, Uh, who explains very well the whole topic. Very nice rabbi that I'm very close with. He says, the Rambam writes that before eating something, it's an obligation to check fruits or vegetables that might have insects in them while they were attached to the ground. The rush requires an inspection of fruits even 12 months after they've been harvested. You don't say that they disappeared, the insects. Nevertheless, many com- communities maintained the practice of not conducting any inspection prior to eating dried fruits, even within the 12 months. Although infestation can develop in storage, the chesam sulphur held that it's not required to check fruits with a cheskis hetter when most fruits will, not, will still not contain insects. Okay, the Taz, and this is the one that we've quoted here many times, and it's one that the major conscious agencies are relying upon. The Taz is in Simon Pei Dalid, um, Sif cotton, I think it's Yud Base, writes that it's permitted to eat dried fruits without inspection beforehand based on a fake sveke. Svake it means like a double doubt. There are two doubts. There's a, there's a doubt, the suffix, whether any dried fruit contains an insect. And secondly, even if it does contain an insect, it's possible that the insect, uh it's possibly insect has not yet left and it always remained in the fruit and hasn't gone out and come back again. Because if it didn't leave the fruit, then it's considered to be acceptable. That's the way he explains it. I'm not saying that everybody learns that Sveik Sveika that way. There's other ways to learn the Sveik Sveik as well. The Minchas Yitzchak, I'm sorry, the Minchas Yaakov argues based on the Rosh that some sort of checking should be required to check for insects. Moreover, the Shach writes that a Sveik Sveika is not relied upon when it's possible to clarify it by checking. Therefore, it should be possible to check dried fruits without relying on the double suffake. And then he gets into discussing the primagodim, who says that it sometimes it's difficult to check it, da-da-da-da, and that's where some people are are, are are bailing out and saying that since it was difficult to do it, then it might might be acceptable. Now he gets to something very interesting, which I think everyone should be pay attention with. All uh, of their certified fruits have a uh, HACCP program that focuses on maintaining a clean environment. The HACCP, this is a governmental uh, program and and you have to maintain a certain level in order to be part of that. The chances of a cessation developing is highly unlikely and checking by end consumers is not necessary. However, infestation can sometimes occur at the distributor, retail store, or consumer level under inadequate storage conditions. Nevertheless, it's still proper for the the mashkiach to periodically review a dried fruits, plants, HAACP plan, and any statistical data that may be kept on file. So in other words, we're keeping monitoring even though... We claim that uh, things have been taken care of. We are continuing to monitor. Now, let me go on to uh, an, a, another one. We, we have a couple more minutes. This is something that was written. Uh, let, me, let me let me go on to the yeah. We we'll get to this one here. It's not Jewish source. This is the Jewish source. And this is a very well written article, one of the classic ones. Do we? uh, Okay. To check or not to check, that is the question. Along with the rise of general consumer awareness, one of the most daunting. However, we know that with all the Herculean efforts and well-meaning intentions, nature is still nature, and no system is infallible. That's really very important. Now, fruits and vegetables can be put into four categories. Number one, produce that never requires inspection. Banana, right? Uh, Then you have enomatsui. There is occasionally you find something, but it's not consistent. It's not 10 percent of the time. It's not a consistent problem. You know, once in a while you see it. That that's called enomotzi, rare to occasional. Then the third level is miut You're finding it on some kind of regular basis. You know, one one out of ten, let's say. But uh, and then you do re, do require further checking. And then the last one is muhzabatoiloyim, which is the majority of time you're finding it. And then, of course, you're required by the Torah to check. All dried fruit is subject to some insect control. When dried fruits enter the production facility, they're placed in a special chamber and are treated with methyl bromide. Doesn't sound very uh, appetizing, right? A gas used to kill any insects doesn't sound like it's a health food, right? Um, and uh, these fruits are then washed. The insects are then separated from the fruit, thank you, before going through further processing. Furthermore, as an added precaution, if the, ref, if the fruit remains in the factory for 90 days, this treatment is repeated. So you get two washings, you get two, two sprays of this uh, bromide, methyl bromide sounds like we were not increasing our health situation, right? Now, what about the organic? Because organic will not get that bromide, right? Even organic fruit is subject to some degree of treatment for possible infestation, obviously less, usually involving freezing the fruit to kill any insects. It kills them, but doesn't necessarily remove them so easily. <laughs> Plus the fact that if it was such a great idea, then you wouldn't only be for the organic people. So I assume organic is more prone to insect infestation. That seems to me as a, as a logical conclusion. Based on the, these processing practices, statistics indicate that as long as the dried fruit is properly stored in a cool and moisture-free environment, and the summer, are all those mom and pop stores, and is your house cool enough to, uh, especially when you go away for for the weekend and you leave it on? Right, we don't put the air conditioning on. Is it is it is it good enough uh, to to say that you don't have any problems when you come back? Um, it, so so if, if uh, is it? Uh, it well, I'm sorry, I got interrupted here. Infestation should be minimal if you follow the rules of cool, and moisture-free. This cashless agency, which I'm not going to mention the name, ensures that proper insect control is in place at each production facility that it certifies. As such, there are a number of dried fruit items that are more susceptible to infestation. And this cashless agency, I'm not mentioning, recommends checking a few of those items in each container in order to ensure that it was properly processed and stored. E.g. dates, figs, and carob. Well, to me, uh, dates are, t- are, are challenging. Figs are impossible and carob is impossible. But this cashless agency does certify them and it's telling you that, you know, it would be a good idea, even though I put my symbol on it, that you should go and do some checking. i not going to give you any more details on that. We only have another two minutes. And... Uh, just, just to, to conclude over here, I'm going to read a piece, not from a Jewish source. Uh, I'm not even going to tell you the name of the, of the author, because he's an Arab, and I don't want anybody to get upset with me. But the name of the, of the uh, article is Protecting Dried Fruits and Vegetables Against Insect, Pests, Invasions During Drying and Storage. And he writes that moths, beetles, and flies are important pests of dried fruits, but of particular importance are the larvae, that's, you know, eggs, of certain, I can't even pronounce it, pyrolid moths, and the larvae of adult, and I can't pronounce this one either, a certain kind of beetle. Some insect species infest fruits before it is harvested, or while it is drying on trays. Other infest fruits principally or even entirely after it's completely dry and in storage or in packages. So we don't know when these things are getting in. And sometimes they're getting in um, in an early stage and they would be definitely considered to be forbidden to eat. Now, the worst is probably beer. <laughs> because it's made like hops. 10 grams of hops can be home for 2,500 aphids. I'm not exaggerating. Does that mean you can't eat beer? No, because the beer by the time it gets there has been destroyed every one of those aphids and you're not going to have any problems with it. So again the problem is don't I I suggest that you read the articles that are written by different organizations make your own decision of what you want to do and then uh and, and don't don't rely on the fact that it says a, a hashkocha on the label because that's how they make business they told me they can't possibly go around writing needs and inspection they'll lose all the customers they'll, they, they'll, they'll, they'll stop taking that hashkocha and they'll go to another one so yes read the articles believe the articles they're not and the symbol on the hashkocha a symbol on the package is a good sign that they've done their due diligence but that's it Uh, time is up so I'm going to wish everyone a wonderful week if you want to reach us this is Rabbi Yosef Wickler editor of Cautious magazine our office number 718-336-8544 for Cautious information for Cautious magazine for Cautious monthly for whatever else we put out and, or, or else you can reach us by email at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. Until next week, have a wonderful week.